Benjamin can have love for the truckie. Beautiful minds, but we love getting ugly. Risk takers with a clover, man, we love getting lucky. You run, we chase fire. I love when it ducks me. Tones go off, house watch, read the address out. 1075, get up off the magic couch. 500 gallons prepared for the baddest drought. Who else you want on the way when disaster's Can't out? Can't even get a little bit rattled when you enter with exit apparel. Mayday member down, they'll drag you. You won't get this from every Tom, Dick, and Harold. But here's a view from the top floor with Mickey Farrell. When you walk across that ramp to your airplane, you lose half your IQ. Lawrence Gonzalez, author of Deep Survival. He then goes on to say, My father always said this, and I wonder what it meant. But instinctively, he felt it when he was a new pilot. He would get so excited before a flight that he would get tunnel vision. He would look at his checklist, unable to read beyond the first item. Check, master, switch. What's up, guys? This is Mickey Fowler. Thanks for tuning in again for another episode. Today, I want to talk about fire ground communications. You know, firefighting is not super complex. It's not rocket science. I mean, yes, there is a psychological edge when orchestrating a tactical approach. However, don't make it more than what it is. Somewhere along the way, the fire service has been pigeonholed into a vocabulary of incompetence. Numbers, letters, sectors introduced to the incident command system to quote-unquote simplify tactical maneuvers and observations throughout the fire ground. Let's be honest with ourselves. As firefighters, we regularly overestimate their, our ability to think beyond our basic vocabulary, especially when introduced to stressful situations. I believe the key to successful fire ground communications is understanding and being aware of what you don't know, or rather what you do know. Anticipating and identifying the severity of your shortcomings and adapting to them will save more lives than anything else on the fire ground. That being said, don't let our opportunity to pass to give a report that is accurate and critical without a complex translation. Contrary to popular belief, it's not a complicated subject. Know your job, see what you can do, and simply do it. Firefighters speak in statements. Fire out the front windows. Jumpers in the rear. Start a line, floor above. Very simple statements spoken clearly. Critical transmissions with given zero confusion. Quick, precise, and to the point. Giving an accurate and straightforward report will quickly put you in the spotlight. It is four seconds to shine or four seconds to make or break an operation. Four seconds that can save a life. Can't remember the code words? Can't translate the dialogue taught to you in the academy? Speak in exact, clear terms. Your career could be derailed in a matter of four seconds or lives could be lost. We all have a role to play, so play it well. I feel that where we're going with communications within the fire service, we're not really addressing in the early stages of our career. We're not introducing real fire ground stress. This is a problem. It's a problem that I'm not sure we're speaking about. I'm not sure we're studying, and I'm not sure we're correcting. Filler words. Be advised at this time, not at this time. These are three phrases that we somewhat tried to come up with to bridge that gap under stress of what we learned in the incident command system in the fire academy and how we try to parlay or bridge the gap of translation of logically thinking to instinctual notion. These terms do have some place on certain aspects of fireground operations, but be advised, I feel, it's just that bridging the gap, trying to make ourselves sound a little bit smarter than we are, trying to 
bring that incident command system to light. However, at this time and not at this time can be used to parallel the right contacts in the right position, operating on the roof, checking for extension in the cockloft. We can use those terms as at this time or not at this time in relation to fire travel, monitoring conditions, but let's not use them to bridge the gap. Moving on beyond that, let's talk about the screamer. Why are they overwhelmed in the process of screaming and how are they gaining temporary control. So for those of you that have seen my lecture, I talk about Zen efficiency and the ability to accept the fact that we don't have control. And we accept the fact that we have zero control. We in turn now have complete control of the situation. This is where we operate and our optimum peak performance, our Zen efficiency. Now the screamer is the firefighter or officer who is overwhelmed in that process of accepting that we have no control. And they try to gain temporary control by screaming in the moment. Now, young firefighters tend to scream to portray dominancy, to portray that we are aggressive firefighters. We are saying, look at me, I am confident. But through time and understanding that you're really not as good as you think you are, especially in the early stages of your career, that screaming subsides. And we learn through watching professional firefighters, not per career, not paid, doesn't matter about a paycheck, when I say professionalism, by understanding where you fit in in the moment, having a degree of professionalism to think clearly and to communicate clearly, that's professional firefighting. And you go through your career learning these moments, studying these firefighters and officers that you work with. Eventually, the screaming will go away once we learn to accept the fact we don't have control, once we learn to accept the fact we're really not as good as we think we are, especially under stress. And when we accept this, ultimately now, we can communicate and control our emotions in the moment. When we talk about exposures, the incident command system, again, has it broken up into A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, exposure, 2A, exposure, AA. It goes on and on. But when we talk about this under real-life stress, it's really hard to communicate clearly. Now, testable points, logically speaking, it all makes very much sense when you look at a diagram. Could it be applied in a large-scale event? Absolutely. But when we're fighting a one-two-bedroom fire, we have to understand that clear and precise statements is how firefighters communicate. Officers have conversations with command. Firefighters have statements spoken. Now, talking about a mayday situation, very different. This becomes an intimate conversation with the distressed firefighter and the incident commander. Very, very different situation. This intimate conversation has to be dialed in. And when we give that mayday transmission, we have to understand it is a conversation, not a run-on statement or sentence. Because a mayday that is given that is not acknowledged was a mayday that was never given. Very, very important we understand this. When you give a mayday, it is an intimate conversation with the incident commander. For those of you that study somewhat of the military side of this world, or even the commercial side of pilots, they communicate so clearly, clear text, smooth operators operating correctly in the moment under stress. This is how we have to communicate on the fire ground. And this comes from, again, accepting that we don't have control. And we accept this, we in turn gain complete control of the situation at hand. This is our Zen efficiency. And this is where we will operate at our absolute peak performance. But circling back and talking of exposures, when we go into a building to give a report for fire travel, to stretch a line, to fight a fire, we must speak in the terms of, okay, the fire is in the pizzeria. 
I'm bringing a line into the bodega. I'm bringing a line to the florist. I'm bringing the line to the 99 cent store. Very precise, very quick statements given. So when we give that report, the incident commander does not have to think under stress to dissect dialogue or code words that was created in the incident command system that does not translate to real fireground communication. Just something to think about when we're drilling with our members, we're talking about going to these fires, and we're operating in fires. Listen to how the good and great firefighters communicate. No screaming, no stress, clean, concise, and pure statements of where they are located on the fire ground, of where they are operating on the fire ground, and the tasks they are performing and accomplishing. This comes from understanding where we fit in, not only on the fire ground, but in the communication standard of the job. We all hear footage or we all hear communications after a fire when we go back and listen to the tapes. And I think that's a great, great drill to critique how we communicate. Breath work is incredibly important when we're communicating. I can't stress that enough. Taking a quick tactical breath before we give a transmission can set you apart from others. It's something we should practice. It's something we should drill on. I don't think it's something that we're teaching anywhere in any of Fire Academy is taking a tactical breath and then giving your transmission clear and precise. So that's all I got for you today, guys, on Fireground Communication. I think it's something that we're not really talking about in real life Fireground stress. Again, it's hard to duplicate stress in training. I'm fully aware of that. But go back, listen to the tapes if, if, you, know, if you can get those study communications, as well as when you hear a fire going on somewhere, listen to the fireground communications. We all have that ability. If people call you a buff or you're into the job, so be it. This is where the real learning takes place. We can't go to every fire happening around us, but we can listen to every fire. And that's where a lot of learning is taking place. Good and bad. We're hearing how to communicate properly from professionals. We're also hearing how professionals cannot accept the fact they don't have control and they lose that process of being overwhelmed and gaining temporary control through screaming, through losing that tempo of the fire. And ultimately, in the end, the dominoes begin to fall either one way or the other. The screamer will always lose. All right, guys, I'm Mickey Farrell. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>